0: Amen. And let's welcome our lead pastor, Joe Soros. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Thank you, everybody. It's been a busy summer. Yes. Amen. I'm not ready to say goodbye yet, but it's Amen. been a busy, busy summer. And we're just so grateful that uh, the Lord allows us to do so many awesome things. And it's just amazing. You know, about five or six years ago, I said to... Uh, Martin, our children's director, who's also one of the assistant pastors in Bayville, I said to him, I want New Beginnings to have the most over-the-top children's department um, that we can possibly, possibly do. And he and his team, I know he's not here tonight, he's taking off the weekend and get some rest after, after working as hard as he did, and I know there's many of you that helped in there. If you were part of that team, had anything to do with the adventure camp, would you stand up, please? So we want to just say thank you. Thank you, thank you. And our staff, too, man, just worked so hard this week. And, and honestly, they've been working. I think Martin started putting those props together, and some of you worked with him. I think back in January, this has been an ongoing thing since the beginning of the year, and to just I I wasn't able to make it here just until the last night, which was Friday night, last night, but just blown away by even watching, some of it I watched live. Um, Some of the people here had posted on Facebook. It was just amazing, amazing. The comments and the feedback we've been getting from people, and um, if you weren't able to, or had no reason to be there because you don't have children in the age group, just thank God for what he's enabling us to do. We're literally, I'm not joking here, and I'm not exaggerating. You saw how many children were there. I have 150 kids here uh, during one of the most sought-after vacation times of the year in, in this time of August. Uh, it's just an amazing uh, demonstration of the parents' commitment to the children. Amen. Amen? Now, this upcoming teen summer send-off, this is extremely important, Okay? Everybody wants to complain about what society is doing to our kids and to our teenagers, but very few people are willing to do anything about it except put something aggravating or controversial on on Facebook. Look, we know the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the antichrist. It is an anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. But if you don't do anything intentional about training your children, exposing them to the things that are going to put the right seeds in their heart, then don't complain about it but but we're going to lose a generation if parents don't start taking things seriously and god's given us the opportunity he's given us the enablement he's given us the resources so if you're a parent or a grandparent or you have nieces and nephews or you have any young person under your influence or even if they're not make it your business to reach out to those individuals well i you know I don't want to overset my boundaries. You're going to stand before Jesus someday. do you understand this? And he's going to say, I gave you resources. I gave you opportunities. Why didn't you instill these things in your children instead of letting the world instill in them? What's going to send them to hell? Amen. Do something. Amen. Get involved in somebody's life. Amen. Be an influence. Everybody wants to be an influence on Facebook. But when it comes down to it, what do you think you are called to as a Christian? To be an influencer. To influence people's lives in the right direction. Talk to somebody that's got a teenager. Get them there, especially now. We can get some seeds in their heart before they go to school. that Maybe they'll have an easier time of it this year. You see what the problem is? WE LIKE TO LISTEN, WE LIKE TO BE ENTERTAINED, BUT WE DON'T WANT TO TAKE ANY ACTION. AMEN MEANS SO BE IT. Right. IF YOU DON'T MEAN IT TO BE THAT WAY, THEN DON'T SAY AMEN. BECAUSE WHEN YOU SAY AMEN, YOU'RE COMMITTING YOURSELF TO A COURSE OF ACTION. SAY, "Well, he GOT HERE IN A BAD MOOD TONIGHT? NO. <laughs> THIS IS THE REALITY. We're, MAN, WE JUST DON'T GET IT, DO WE, THAT WE'RE GOING TO BE HELD ACCOUNTABLE FOR THE THINGS, done. PAUL SAID, FOR THE THINGS DONE HERE IN THE BODY, IN THE FLESH. We're gonna stand before God one of these days in eternity, and we're gonna to have to give an account. Say, well, am I gonna lose myself? No, it's not about losing yourself. You're going to heaven. But not because of what you do, but because of what you believe, that you believe in Jesus Christ. But once we get there, there's an account that has to be given. Because when you got born again, He deposited things inside you, He set a course of action that you and I are supposed to follow. Now, the reward that you receive or the lack of reward or the loss that you suffer is going to be dependent on what we did from the time we said, Jesus, commit to my heart until the time we step into eternity. I don't know why many of us Christians just living like, hey, I got it made. I'm just going to float into eternity and hang around on a cloud with a harp for the rest of eternity. (laughs) It's not what it's like. Okay? Hallelujah. I'm glad I came to church tonight. (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm just passionate about this because teenagers have always been so close to my heart. From the time I was in my own business, I always surrounded myself with teenagers. Obviously, when you're in a restaurant business, you hire a lot of young people. And God just always gave me such a heart for young people. I was a youth pastor for many years in the church that I was in before we went to Bible school. And God enabled me to take that youth group from eight kids to about 30 kids. And and, And many of those kids today are in helping out in ministries and helping out in other churches that went on, some of them even here in our own youth ministry. Many of the couples that that we know in the church became couples in the youth ministry. Even some of my own children met their spouses in the youth ministry. Where do you want your kids to meet theirs? On the boardwalk? (laughs) Think about this stuff. You have an opportunity. You can't, you're not going to be stand before Jesus and say, well, the church didn't support. No, 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 honey. The church is doing everything we possibly can to impact the young children and to impact teenagers and young adults. Amen? Get involved. Get involved in, in some young person's life. Get them to that event. What is it, two weeks from this Friday? From this, yeah, this coming from yesterday. Yeah. It's only two weeks from now. Yeah. All right, so make some plans. Make sure you get your teenagers there. Make sure they bring some friends. Make sure, you, you know, if you're a grandparent, well, my kids, you know, my, my children, no, no, no they, uh, Kidnapped them. <laughs> what are they gonna do, call the cops on you? <laughs> Say, well, that sounds pretty radical. Sweetheart, the church is very, uh, excuse me, the world is very radical about reaching your kids. <laughs> the world is doing everything possible to reach your kids. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalm 46 and get, before I keep going. (laughs) Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Why will we not fear? Go back to verse 1. Come on, say it nice and loud like you actually believe it. Come on. why because of well, well what's the manifestation of verse one verse two therefore because of verse one we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea keep going though its waters roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with its swelling keep going there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of god the river there's a river there's a river and you know what that river is ON THE INSIDE OF YOU. OKAY, WHEN THE PSALMIST WROTE THIS, HE'S TALKING ABOUT JERUSALEM. BUT GUESS WHAT? THAT RIVER NOW LIVES INSIDE OF YOU. ARE YOU LISTENING? GOD IS not oh YEAH, LET ME FINISH READING THAT. THERE IS A RIVER WHOSE STREAMS SHALL MAKE GLAD THE CITY OF GOD. THE RIVER MAKES GLAD. OKAY, YOU LISTENING? THE RIVER MAKES... IS THE RIVER MAKING GLAD INSIDE OF YOU? I HOPE SO. THE HOLY PLACE OF THE TABERNACLE OF THE MOST HIGH. NOW, AT THAT TIME, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High was in a city, was a physical structure. But the Holy Ghost is not in that temple anymore. The temple's gone. Amen. The tabernacle's not there. Now, someday it'll be, it'll be reconstructed, but not now. Now, since the temple was destroyed, since Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished, since the Holy Ghost came and fell on the church, guess who the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit is? Just one or two or three of us. Let me see. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me, okay? The only chance that somebody out in the world that doesn't know Jesus yet to experience that river is gonna come because it comes out of you. But if you hold back that river, if you hold back that river, then they don't experience it. Amen? Amen. Verse 6. Did we do that one yet? Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. Talking about the city, but it's talking about us. She shall not be moved. I won't be moved. You won't be moved. Why? God shall help us just at the break of dawn. What does that mean? When is the break of dawn? Why is the break of dawn important? What comes before the break of dawn? Darkness. Can't get more dark than midnight, right? But after that period of darkness happens, what comes next? The dawn. Light comes. Light comes. Amen? THE NATIONS RAGED, THE KINGDOMS WERE MOVED. HE UTTERED HIS VOICE, THE EARTH MELTED. VERSE 7 STATES, THE LORD OF HOSTS IS WITH US. THE GOD OF JACOB IS OUR REFUGE. NOW, LISTEN, when, WHEN THE WRITER OF THIS PSALM WROTE THIS DOWN, HE WAS MAKING A FAITH STATEMENT. IN VERSE 7, HE WAS MAKING A FAITH STATEMENT. THE LORD OF HOSTS IS WITH US. THE GOD OF JACOB IS OUR REFUGE now we don't make this statement by faith because it's a reality if you're a believer if you received christ as your lord and savior and the holy ghost lives inside you then that place of refuge is here not because of you but because of who's in you you know back in the old testament one of the sons said, you know we lift up our eyes to the mountains from where our help comes from honey that's old testament we don't look to a mountain now we look to the holy ghost that's on the inside of us Amen. amen I hope you're glad that he's in there. Because he's a very present help in time of trouble. For him to be very present means he's got to be in there. And if you're not born again yet, by the time we leave tonight, you'll have the opportunity to do that, to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, to have the Holy Spirit come to live on the inside of you, so that your help is with you 24-7, no matter where you go. Amen? So, in John chapter 8... Jesus said, we're not going to go there for the sake of time. But in John chapter 8, you can go read it for yourself. Jesus said that there would be a river of life. That, that word in Greek is zoe. Zoe, the God kind of life, that flows out of, every, out of our very core. Paul declared that we're the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It's from the, our very being that joy can flow out of us, even in the midst of troubled times. Even in the midst of troubled times. Even in the midst of trouble times. Anybody ever had any trouble times? Yeah. We can rejoice in advance of our victory. And let me tell you this from life experience and from biblical just awareness. If you can't shout and you can't rejoice for the victory before you get it, you most likely won't see it. In other words... Depend on God. Don't be looking for that flow of Zoe life to come from some other source. Don't look for it in other people. Sometimes you put, put too much dependency on other people. Other people can only give you what they have. They can't give you what they don't have. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. They might not be in that place. They may be looking for somebody to lift them up. Amen? Right. Look for it on the inside. Now, I'm, talking to, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm assuming that you're born again. Okay? What does it mean, pastor? What does that mean? What does that term mean? I hear that word all the time. It means that you have made a decision in your soul based on the information that you have received from the Bible. And maybe that information came from another person, other individuals, somebody preaching on TV or something online that you might have watched, a YouTube video or something. And you receive that information about Jesus according to what the scriptures say. And you come to a conclusion in your soul, because that's the place where you make your decisions, right? You come to the conclusion, your soul, you know what? I really do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm coming to believe that uh, he did die on the cross. I believe that he did come to this earth to pay for our sins. And I do believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe that. So what happens now? You confess or you declare with your mouth what you believe. And the Bible tells us when we do that, instantaneously, our spirit that was dead to God before comes alive unto God. And therefore, we are born again. But we're born the first time physically, and we're born the second time spiritually. Amen. 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 So when you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside you, the presence of God, the river of life lives in you. And so we're to draw from that. But, you know, sometimes even as Christians, we forget about this, and we start looking for hope and relief and rescue and Uh, Everything else that we need, we start looking for it from some, we look to another person to try to receive this. And when you do that, and when you develop a dependency on another human being rather than dependence on God, you're putting your trust and you're leaning on and you're depending on another flawed individual. Turn to somebody and say, "I I got flaws. Turn to somebody else and say, You got flaws. You, you liked that one better, didn't you? <laughs> Always pointing to somebody else. So how many would you agree that at sometime in the past in your life, you did put dependence on somebody, you did become dependent and reliant on another individual, and unfortunately, they may have let you down. Guess what? You probably did the same thing to somebody else. Why? Because we are flawed individuals. Amen? Even with the Holy Spirit inside us, we still have our human nature that we're trying to overcome. And so develop a dependence on God. Now, Psalm 46 we talked about is meant to give us hope in troubled times. But notice this about that psalm. It spends very little time talking about trouble itself. It tells us more about God than it does the tough times. So the lesson that we learn from Psalm 46 is that in the face of tough times talk about god talk, talk about god talk about god yes. somebody come how you doing and you want to on the inside go you got 20 minutes yes. say look you know I'm going through some challenges right now but you know what god is with me god's leading me god's providing for me god's empowering me god's giving me fresh vision for the future Amen? See, you already know what you're going through. You don't need to go share it with somebody else. Why? Well, because every time you start talking about it, we start making God smaller and the problem bigger. You listening? I remember years ago, I listening to uh, Joel Osteen, and this is what he said. Don't spend your time telling God about how big your mountain is. Spend your time telling your mountain how big the God is that you belong to speak to the mountain. Don't speak about the mountain. You and I are the only ones on this planet to have that kind of authority. Speak to it. Speak to that situation. Speak to yourself. Paul, to- Paul to- uh, excuse me, David talked to his own soul. Paul tells us to sing to ourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking and making singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We have the capability in our own mouth to change situations. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? And I know it's tough sometimes. It's tough because sometimes you're in a season of life where you're just tired and overwhelmed and just frustrated and maybe you want to just vent your your heart. And and there's some people that you can vent to and there's other people that you better never vent to. You know that, right? So Everybody just, uh, just say, I found that one out. And let me tell you something, okay? Can I, can I just spend a couple, about 30 seconds here? Let me tell you what I pray for the church, not just New Beginnings, I pray for the church world in general, is that we would start developing discernment like never before. There are so many of us that are walking around blind. There's so many of us that are walking around like deaf and dumb. So many of us are just walking around don't have a clue what the heck is going on discernment, discernment. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for each one here tonight. I pray for myself. I pray for my family. I pray for my staff. I pray for the leadership of this ministry, Father God. I pray for every family, household, Father, represented here tonight, right now. God, that you would increase our ability to discern. That we would walk in wisdom, Father. That we would walk in understanding, Lord God that we would not be blind to the enemy's devices, Father God, that we would be very aware of the times and the seasons that we're living in, Father, that you would speak to our hearts by your Spirit, in our spirit, and even show us things to come, even as Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. As he introduced him that night at the Last Supper, Father, he told them, the disciples that were seated at that table, that the Holy Spirit would show us things to come father in the name of jesus lord god we carry this this sense god that there's something coming father that there's something coming lord god father and i just don't sense that it's something good lord god but father cause us to be able to discern the seasons that we're in lord god father speak to our hearts and how to prepare ourselves how to prepare our families, father How to prepare our children and our young people, Father God, for that which may be coming upon this earth, God. Lord, we recognize in your word what it tells us, Father, that we're living in perilous times, dangerous times. Father, treacherous times. Lord, cause us to be discerning on the inside. And I just believe, Father God, that there's an army that's rising up. The tide is going to change, Father, within the church. People, there are going to be people, there are going to be young people rising up, Father God. Lord God, that are discerning, wise beyond their years. And Father, at the same time, you're going to re enlist those that are upper age. Those, Father God, who have now just sat back. Well, I did my stuff, I did my touch, my term to, time to relax no 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 father i pray that you blow the trumpet and reenlist every saint of god who thinks it's time to just sit back Father, lord in the name of jesus that the spirit of god would rise up upon every senior that the spirit of god father together with life experience will be able to impart it to the younger generations wisdom understanding knowledge sensitivity to the holy ghost I PRAY FOR THE GIFTS OF THE SPIRIT TO BE IN OPERATION LIKE NEVER BEFORE, FATHER GOD. THAT THIS GENERATION GOD, GENERATION OF YOUNG AND GENERATION OF OLD, FATHER, WOULD TAP INTO THE GIFTS OF THE HOLY GHOST, OPERATING IN THE SUPERNATURAL, GETTING THE ATTENTION OF THOSE THAT ARE LOST, SAYING, HOW COULD YOU DO THESE THINGS? HOW COULD YOU KNOW THESE THINGS? HOW COULD YOU HAVE THAT POWER TO GET THIS PERSON HEALED AND TO RAISE THE DEAD AND TO TAKE AUTHORITY OVER DARKNESS? And we will turn around and say, it's because of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Now, listen, we're not ignorant of the times that we're living in. We know, especially in the past three years, that most people have been dealing with or focused on health issues. Many people right now, Their lives are revolving around either what they went through, what they're going through, the results of what they went through. Many, many people are dealing with health issues. Even if there's not physical health issues, there's the worry, the concern. Amen? And I know this is controversial, but i got to address it anyway. The worry and the concern that you took an injection... The worry and concern that you took a medication. The worry and concern that you didn't take a medication. The worry and concern that a family member had this, that, and the other thing. Worry and concern. Well, my father died at this age. I guess I'm going to go the same way. Stop it. In the name of Jesus. Even as Pastor Mike shared before, he's not given us a spirit of what? Fear. Fear, But of power, love, Love. and what? The enemy is coming for the soundness of mind. THAT'S WHY SO MANY PEOPLE ARE OVERTAKEN WITH ANXIETY, OVERTAKEN WITH PANIC, OVERTAKEN WITH WORRY AND CONCERN, OVERTAKEN WITH, WELL, WHAT IF AND WHAT IF AND WHAT IF AND WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN NEXT YEAR AND WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN THE YEAR AFTER THAT. WE TRUST GOD. BUT JUST BECAUSE WE TRUST GOD DOESN'T MEAN THAT WE DON'T PREPARE. IN OUR PREPARATION, WE'RE TRUSTING GOD. ARE YOU LISTENING? HALLELUJAH. BUT NOT EVERYBODY'S HAVING health CHALLENGES. SOME PEOPLE ARE FACING THE CHALLENGE OF A CAREER PATH TO FOLLOW. Some people are challenged with, how can I have better relationships? How can I build wealth for my future and the future of my family? These things weigh on people. Some people pray every night just to be able to sleep peacefully. Some are troubled by a child or children that may have gone astray. Okay? But no matter what the challenge we face, Psalm 46.1 still says the same thing. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. IN THE ORIGINAL LANGUAGE, VERY PRESENT HELP CAN BE TRANSLATED, AN ABUNDANTLY TIMELY AVAILABLE HELP. SEE, GOD IS NOT ONLY ABUNDANT, BUT HE'S TIMELY. HE'S TIMELY. YOU EVER NOTICE IN THE GOSPEL THAT JESUS ALWAYS SHOWS UP ON THE SCENE AT THE RIGHT TIME WHEN SOMEBODY NEEDS HIM? ISN'T THAT AMAZING? WELL, THAT'S NOT LIMITED TO THE GOSPELS. (laughs) NOT LIMITED TO THE GOSPELS. HOW MANY TIMES HAS IT HAPPENED IN YOUR OWN LIFE? Where you might you might be all of a sudden for some reason you're impressed for a particular scripture, maybe for a week or two, and then something happens that could have caught you out of left field, and you go, "Oh wait a second, that's why God had me on this scripture here. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He might not always show up when we want him to, but he's never late. That's right. That's right. That's he's right. never late. He's always on time. Amen. Yeah. And timeliness is important. What good is it if you have the power to do something, but you're not there on time? For really To really be a help to us, our God not only has to be able and empowered to, but he has to also be on time. Right. And we need to trust. Well, Pastor, you know, I thought this was going to happen months ago or years ago. You thought it was going to happen then. I was sharing this recently with a couple of people. I don't remember who it was or when it was. Years ago, up until about, I would say the first 12 to 15 years that this ministry was in existence, Anytime we hit a wall with something, I would automatically go, oh, this is the devil. We got to take authority over this. And then I would notice that things would break through and it would be at the right time when the breakthrough had to come. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So then I started realizing, wait a second, wait a second, what am I doing here? Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So then I started realizing, wait a second, if it seems like the gates of hell are prevailing against the church... AND I'M TAKING AUTHORITY OVER IT, AND SOMETHING'S NOT CHANGING, THEN IT AIN'T THE DEVIL. IT'S GOD'S TIMING. WHEN I STARTED TO SETTLE INTO THAT, THERE WAS A REST THAT CAME. THERE'S A PEACE THAT COMES. THERE'S A CALM THAT SETTLES ON THAT SITUATION. AND I NOTICED, I DON'T GET SHAKEN BY THINGS THAT USED TO HAVE THE ABILITY TO... YOU KNOW WHAT I'M TALKING ABOUT? There was a time when that kind of stuff would bother me. It wasn't so much that I didn't think something was going to happen. It was more angry at the devil. Like, what do you think you are to get involved in this? How dare you put your hands on that person? How dare you present an obstacle for this situation? Now, Father, I know the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. I know the devil is bound to acting against it. He cannot act against this ministry. You've always protected us. You've always empowered us. You've always provided for us. You've always led us in the right direction. So, Lord, if I'm sensing something not moving right now, it's because I may have gotten out of your timing. Mm, Only a couple of people, I got a few mm. (laughs) Are you listening to me? There is a divine timing that's only established by God. Now, there are times we can know that timing if we're sensitive and li- listening to the Holy Ghost. But listen to me. I'll tell you this. The more emotionally attached you are to a situation that's going on, the harder it's going to be to hear. Harder it's going to be to hear. You have to, you have to get to the point where, well, now I'm cutting this off. Now, I'm not going to let this thing get in my heart. Now, I'm cutting it off. I'm not going to get myself... Psalm 37 says, fret not fret not fret not fret not fret. and back then i used to do a whole lot of fretting you can listen to me i want you to understand something about my heart i never fretted about finances okay truthfully finances are the easiest thing to manifest in the kingdom of god why because we serve a god who abundantly wants to provide Amen. abundantly wants to provide The Lord spoke to me two years before this ministry, about a year and a half before this ministry started, and said to me, I don't ever want you to worry about finances. I will always supply you whatever you need to accomplish what I have called you to do. And let me tell you something. We have seen that play out 100% all throughout these 26 years. The things that used to make me fret were the timing. The timing. The timing. Do you ever get in a situation where you would have gotten to go? You know, uh, this should happen last week. <laughs> What's going on here? I know you got a lot of people to be concerned about, but and it was the timing, and it was more so for the challenge of not letting the devil get over on you. I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying. We know we are more than conquerors. Amen. We know that we always triumph. We got the victory. But it's just that idea that the devil might get something over on us. You know what I'm talking about. because you, you, even in the natural, you never like anybody to make a fool out of you, right? No way. And, and so its, it's the same thing like, you're a devil. You've been defeated already. You're not going to get over on me. What are you kidding me? Not because of me, but not because of who I am, but because of whom I represent. Amen. Too many of us sit back, roll well, over, I, say'll let the devil win this one. I'll win the next one. No. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him an inch. I don't know how we got over on that stuff. but Now, here we go. Now we're ready for the message, okay? I'm not kidding. The best thing to do when times are trouble is to be intentional with our words during times of trouble. I'm gonna say it again. I want you to read it with me nice and loud. Even if you don't believe it right now, because in the next 15 minutes, I'll get you to believe it. Ready? One, two, three. The best thing to do is be intentional with our words during times of trouble. You didn't do it the right way. Get your finger. I'm looking at all of you. Ready? Let's do it again. Best thing to do is to be intentional with our words. I have been guilty in the past of making decisions during times of trouble. It's the worst thing you can do. Anybody ever found out? I used to have this habit. I'm talking about even even saved, because I've been saved for 39 years now. Okay, 39 years. You have got a lot of opportunities to make mistakes. Okay. And so, in the early days, I would say, I would go home to my wife, and we're in business, we're in business, and business wasn't going well. There was a time when the business was going real well. How many like it when the business goes real (laughs) well? How many don't like it when the business doesn't go real well? And I would go home, and I would say to her, I got to do something. I got to do something. Watch this now. I got to do something. I got to do something. Now there's something I should have did was shut this and just pray. Amen. But I didn't. I would take action. And sometimes to take action without spending any time in prayer. Now, now I'm gonna balance this out because there aren't some times when you really don't need to pray about something. You know what you have to do. Okay? Like if you, you get in in a situation where you have a relationship that becomes estranged, okay? Well, you know, there's forgiveness involved, right? Uh, Pastor Mike knows. George knows. Uh, there's forgiveness that's needed, right? Yeah, listen, honey, you don't have to fast and pray and ask God, should I forgive or not? Well, Pastor, I'm going to ponder this. Ponder what? What are you going to ponder? Forgive. That's all forgive. There's no, there's no pondering. Now, you're going to ponder. You're going to justify not forgiving the person. Yes or no? Yes. That's right. You do it. And sometimes you do things you don't have to pray. He told you what to do. Amen? But then there's other times you do need to pray. But you got to be intentional with your words. Let me tell you this, okay? Our words will determine whether we're moving toward God or moving towards fear. I'm going to say it again because I don't think it's settled in yet our words will determine if we are moving towards god or we're moving towards fear now there's one thing about us when our ears hear our mouth saying things there's something that triggers in our brain that's why it's so well pastor you're just being fanatical it doesn't matter what we say oh really how did you get born again What was the vehicle that was used for you to go from the kingdom of darkness and on your way to heaven? What were they? Come on. Words. Words. I confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Your soul heard you say that. And it opened up the door for the Spirit of God to come in. Words are extremely important. And some of, I would venture to say that If there's one person in this room that would say, no, that's not the case in my life, you're a liar. That there's many of us, probably multiple times throughout our lives, wish we could take back some words that we spoke. Some of us have changed relationships for all of the rest of our lives by words that we used. So, let's get into the message again here. 2 Kings chapter 4 tells us the story of Elisha the prophet. Say, Elisha. Not Elijah. Elijah. Elisha. Tells us a story about Elisha the prophet and a woman from a village named Shunem. Elisha passed through this area a lot, very often, and she would invite him to have dinner with her and her husband. At one point, it was so frequent that she convinced her husband to build a small apartment for the man of God so that when he was in the area, he didn't have to stay at any Motel 6 or anything like that. He had a room there. He had a little apartment for himself. You guys, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the story. So 2 King, you got to listen carefully to this here because you won't catch it if you don't listen closely. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 14. So he said, now he's talking to his servant Gehazi in the context of this woman's been so good to us. She literally put an addition on her house for us. So, so he says, Elisha says, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi, his, his servant, said, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. In other words, she's got no son, and the potential for a son doesn't look too good, okay? <laughs> Verse 15, so he said, call her. And when he, Gehazi, had called her, this woman from Shunem, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, prophet says to her, about this time next year you shall embrace his son. And she said, no, my lord, MAN OF GOD, DO NOT LIE TO YOUR maidservant. IN OTHER WORDS, DON'T GET MY HOPES UP. WE'VE BEEN TRYING FOR DECADES. DON'T DO THIS TO ME. I CAN'T GET MYSELF SET UP FOR ANOTHER DISAPPOINTMENT. YOU EVER BEEN THERE? A COUPLE OF PEOPLE. BUT THE WOMAN CONCEIVED AND BORE A SON WHEN THE APPOINTED TIME HAD COME OF WHICH Elisha HAD TOLD HER. IN OTHER WORDS, THE WORD OF THE LORD THROUGH THE PROPHET CAME TO PASS JUST AS HE SAID. And this woman received a reward from the Lord for the kindness shown to the man of God. She had a son to enjoy for the rest of her days. Now, it would be awesome if all stories ended with, and they lived happily ever after. But life just isn't that way sometimes. Have you found that out? Verse 18, and the child grew. So a couple of years have gone by, more than a couple of years, okay? Probably six, seven years have gone by. And the child grew, and that would happen one day. Then he went out to his father, to the reapers. You know, it's harvest time, okay? Harvest time in the Middle East is very hot, okay? It's not like here, you know, harvest time for us, October, you know, you want to go eat apple cider donuts, everything's got pump- pumpkin flavor in it, it's starting to cool off, there's a chill in the air, it doesn't get that way over there. And so here he is, this, this little boy's with his father, out in the fields, probably, probably harvesting wheat. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he, the father, really awesome godly dad here, said to the servant, carry him to his mother, which I think must have went over really big, okay? And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute, what, what, what happened here? See, the enemy is always gonna try to rob us of what God has promised us. Stand firm on that promise and trust God. It's not over yet. Am I just talking to myself here tonight? It's not over yet. Well, this isn't the way it was supposed to happen. We know that. I should have had hair until this age. (laughs) But it didn't happen. Okay? Are you listening to me? Verse 21. Excuse me. Yeah, verse 21. So she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She went to the prophet's apartment and she laid the little boy who's dead now on, on the prophet's bed, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. He's, he's clueless. He doesn't even ask, how's the kid? Okay. He says to her, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or Sabbath. In other words, it's not a special holiday. He doesn't even ask, what, is the Little? is he okay? And she said, it well. was it well? No. Not yet. What'd she say? It is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel in northern Israel. So it was when the man of God saw her far off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, come on, you guys are slacking off tonight. And she answered what? What'd she say? Israel. Now, When she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. Now, this is interesting. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't always show somebody else what's going on in your life. Why? Maybe because he wants to develop a dependency on him so up until this point her dependence is on the man of God what she what's the first thing she did she took the boy and laid him on his bed let's go on now two times she's asked a question and two times she said three times out is it well it yes is well. it is well it's well New King James says it shall be well now is she lying no Because even in her anguish, she's answered from faith, not from fear. She answered from faith, not from fear. Fear is always going to acknowledge what is. Faith is always looking to what can be. And I know I got a bunch of faith-filled people in this room tonight. You getting this? So, verse 28. Now watch this now, because there's some honesty, there's some transparency, there's some THERE'S SOME VENTING THAT'S GOING TO GO ON HERE, OKAY? SO SHE SAID, DID I ASK A SON OF MY LORD? DID I NOT SAY, DO NOT DECEIVE ME? NOW, WAIT A SECOND, VERSE 28 HERE, OKAY? SHE'S HELD ON TO THIS THING FOR LIKE SIX, SEVEN YEARS NOW. BECAUSE FORGET, WHEN THE PROPHET FIRST SAID THIS TO HER ABOUT HAVING A CHILD, SHE SAID, DON'T LIE TO ME, DON'T DECEIVE ME, DON'T SET ME UP FOR DISAPPOINTMENT. NOW, THE LITTLE BOY GREW UP AND HE'S OLD ENOUGH TO GO OUT IN THE FIELDS WITH HIS FATHER. She's still holding on to this. Which opens up a whole nother story, which could open up a whole nother sermon here. Be careful what you fear on the inside. She's been having an expectation that something like this was going to happen all these years. Six, seven years later, first thing comes out of her mouth. Didn't I tell you not to disappoint me? Didn't I tell you not to set me up? Next verse. Then he said to Gehazi, to the servant, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, don't greet him. And if anyone greets you, don't answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. What's going on here? For some reason, he felt that the servant could get there faster than him. Okay? Next verse. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. In other words no uh, we're going to see this thing together we're going to see it through don't leave me okay next verse now Gehazi went on ahead of them laid the staff on the face of the child but there was neither voice nor hearing therefore he went back to meet him the prophet and told him saying the child has not awakened next verse when Elisha came into the house there was a child lying dead on the bed he, this is hours later now okay next verse He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child, put his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hand, stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Now, we're heading in the right direction, right? Okay, next verse. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself, whoa, stretched himself out on him and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. You remember Naaman? How many times did defra- that problem? How many times did Elijah? Th- go jump in the river. Seven. seven times. So there's a pattern established here in this man's life. Seven, times. and the child opened his eyes. Next verse. And he called Gehazi. He said, "Call this Shunai woman." So he called her, and when she came into him, he said, "Pick up your son." Is there anything after that? One more. So she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and she picked up her son and went out. That's it? One more. Okay, go ahead. Was that it or no? Let me get back to my notes here. Yeah. So, how did this miracle take place? Now, remember... She's carrying this fear most of her life, at least since she got pregnant for this child, that something's going to go wrong. That something's going to go wrong. I know what that feels like. My first son was born, everything was perfect. Year and a half later, we're expecting another child, Okay. On Thanksgiving Day, my wife has a miscarriage. A year and a half later, our son Michael's coming along. And for that nine months, when she was pregnant for that, our second child, whom she miscarried, for nine months, then into Michael's, when she carried Michael, who is really our third son, okay, I carried this fear that something was going to happen. Now, I wasn't saved yet. But God used that and turned it around, just, got, just like God turned it around for that lady, okay? Because then my personality got so dark and so degenerate and so off the wall, I start going to psychics and all this other kind get involved in, in occultism and all this other stuff because I was afraid that God was going to take this child the way I thought God had taken the other child. I know what it's like to live with that kind of fear of an expectation. And so what happens the night my son Michael's born? And I'll tell you the story of why I refer to Michael as my third son, okay? So the night that my wife goes into labor, I'm in the the husband's waiting room. How many remember when Point Pleasant Hospital was there? Okay, Point Pleasant Hospital. Overlooking the water, beautiful scenery. I'm up in the father's waiting room the husband's waiting room making deals with god thank god nobody else is in the room i'm on my knees many of you have heard me tell this story before and i'm making a deal with god if you take care of this child i'll give my life to you and you can do whatever you want whatever you desire from this point forward if this child if you take care of this child my life is yours You could do whatever you want. Okay. I go into the room then. They've got me all prepped and everything. Go with my wife. And Michael's born. And Michael is the color of Pastor Michael's shirt, navy blue, cords wrapped around his neck. My son is suffocating. And all I saw was the thing that I had dreaded for those nine months begin to come to pass. And I did the most spiritual thing I knew to do. I turned to the nurse because the doctor wasn't in the room yet and I said to the nurse, if this baby dies, I kill everybody in this hospital. (laughs) Not saved yet. (laughs) I said that to the nurse. It was 2.45 a.m. April the 3rd, 1984. And within seconds, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, the doctor came in, grabbed the baby, took the cord off his neck, and I saw the color come back in my son's body. I know what that fear is that she had. Many of you in this room know that fear also. So here I am. That's 1984, 1995. I'm in Bible school in Oklahoma. I go to bed one night. And I have this dream and the dream is so real, so real. In the dream, I'm standing here and there's somebody else standing next to me but I don't know who this is. And I see my son Joe, my son Michael, my son Mark, my son David standing there. And I hear a voice next to me say, you keep calling Michael your second son, I'm your second son. And I turn around to look at the most handsome Good-looking kid. I would say at that point, he looked like he was in his late teens or early 20s, probably early 20s. Beautiful hair. (laughs) Just like I had when I was that age. The same bright blue eyes. And I looked at him, and then he put his head here in that vision. And the next day, for the entire day, all I could feel was that warmth here. I didn't get off the couch the whole day, just kept feeling. It. I said, "Lord, why after all these years, have you given me this kind of vision now? You see, the, the suffering that we go through sometimes, no fault of God's, but we carry these things for somebody else. Two days later, I get a call from somebody here in New Jersey. Remember, we're in Oklahoma, somebody that we used to go to church and she had had a miscarriage. And I said, "Oh my God." Now I know why I had this vision. And I shared it with her. I said, the day's going to come where you're going to see that child again. The day's going to come when you'll be face-to-face with that child. And she knew it was a boy, too. I said, we didn't lose them. They're waiting for us. I share that not to kind of solicit emotions from you because there are many of us in this room that have gone through those same kind of things if not you have family members that they're tormented in their minds about a child that for whatever reason didn't make it into this world if we're not careful they'll shape our lives forever the fear the anxiety the worry that something else is going to happen it shall be well I don't know what situations you're going through right now and I got to stop this I went way over the 15 minutes I talked about 15 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> But listen to me. I don't know what your what your deal is. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're facing. But he does. My encouragement to you would be this. Be intentional with your words. Speak what God says about the situation. Speak the promises. But, but, Pastor, I'm not seeing the promises come to pass yet. It doesn't mean they're not coming. And understand this. Be selfless enough to realize and understand there are some things that we prayed about that are going to come to pass after we're off the scene. We don't, not everything is going to come during our lifetime. Now, I, I pray that the majority of what we've been promised personally would happen while we're in the land of the living. But no matter if it's here or in eternity, we're always gonna be in the land of the living. Amen. And so just because the promise doesn't come in our lifetime doesn't mean it's not coming. Some of you are walking with God because a grandparent 50, 60 years ago prayed for you. They left and went to heaven, never saw you come into the church. But you're here now, and you're walking with the Lord. Don't let fear, don't let disappointment, don't let frustrations, don't let the delayed manifestations of promises put you in the realm of, I guess it's just not gonna happen. I guess it just wasn't God's will. Listen, if it's revealed in the word as his promise, It is his will. Are you listening to me? I'm going to dismiss you all. But I'm going to ask you this. Those of you that feel like, man, I really need somebody to pray with me before I leave here tonight. We're going to ask you, to, when everyone else is dismissed, come up here, please. There are people up here that will pray for you. I'll pray for you. Let's go home in victory tonight. Not in sadness. Amen. God is still our refuge. Amen. Stand up. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that if there's anyone here tonight, Lord God, sitting in this place or watching, Lord. Online, I pray if they've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, if they've never taken the step of declaring with all boldness, I do believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead, and I want him to be my Savior and my Lord. Father, I pray that you touch the hearts of every individual that never come to that place of faith in Jesus yet. And I pray this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So whether you need prayer for, to receive Christ, whether you need prayer to rededicate your life, whether you need prayer because there's something that's stirred up maybe from this message, please come up here for prayer. If not, God bless you. You're dismissed. Go enjoy the rest of the weekend.